Welcome, welcome back to the post-episode issues, Game of Thrones, Season 4, Episode 8, The Mountain vs. The Viper. Now, I'm Phil the Issues Guy, with me is my co-host, the man who is not afraid to giggle creepily when uh, Roz is talking about those naked scenes, the one and only Joey, uh, Joe Dirty Locks. How's it going tonight, Joe? Goes well, man. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing... I'm doing really good. I was really hungry for a Game of Thrones episode. The the it week off, too much. it was too much. It really was. It was uh, it was hard to wait. I found myself uh, rewatching rewatching last week's episode a couple of times in preparation and just in general being being really. It was one of my favorite moments in the book for them to split the have the break Memorial Day break right before the moment I've been waiting for for you know all season was pretty evil to have to wait that extra week for. I think it was interesting, too, because I've never seen Game of Thrones quite do what they did in this week or HBO do quite do exactly what they did this week. They really hyped this fight. They hyped it like a boxing match, like it was the the fight of the century. I'm surprised they didn't have the let's get ready to rumble guy come out on an HBO commercial and and, right. uh, and pub the fight. I mean, they re you saw it on every on every Internet search engine. There was a picture, one of those like pinned to the top uh, Game, of, Game of Thrones, the Mountain versus the Viper. There was the boxing match uh, poster looking thing that looked like a like a WWF wrestling card. It, it was really interesting to see the way that they hyped it. I wonder how many, how many uh, HBO subscriptions do you think that garnered for them? Just uh, just hyping this moment, the extra week for all the fans out there to be yelling and screaming about this awesome moment that's supposedly coming in, in their show. Like, I, I bet you they got a pretty, I mean, it's the most popular show on TV, right? Yeah, yeah, right now it is. And for what, and for whatever, or one of the most popular shows on television, at least hype factor, if that, if that, I don't know if ratings wise, I'd have to look I at the hard ratings. ratings. Wise, it's been crushing it, like absolutely crushing it. But anyways, welcome to the post-episode issues. If this is your first time here, please hit that subscribe button and please comment away about what you thought of this episode. Did it live up to the hype? What did you think of the fight? What did you think of all the other stuff that happened this episode? Or anything that we have to say, if you have any comments about that, please share away in the comment section. So I, for me, the hype, the lead up to the fight was was uh, was a lot of hype and a lot of buildup. But the rest of this episode was awesome too, man. The, from beginning to end, this was another great episode of Game of Thrones. This this show is hitting on all cylinders right now. Yeah, it is. It was. Yeah, it is. It was. Uh, I mean, but the end of this fight was, in a sense, it almost seemed like the uh, Rocky two fight at the end when Rocky and uh, Apollo. We'll, we'll get we'll get to the fight. Punch each other at the end. Oh, got it. So. So let's let's start because this is a really big full episode. We had a lot of stuff. We had Reek and Ramsey tonight. We had Danny tonight, Daenerys. We had the Hound and Arya even for a second tonight. Tonight we had the Wall for a second tonight. So we had pretty much everybody except for Bran and Brienne's story tonight. It was pretty much everybody else had a little section of tonight. It was all over the place a lot. Well, there was no Marjorie. There was no real Cersei scene. I mean, she's in the she's in the episode though. Right, but there's no real Cersei scene. There's no. Uh, we got enough. We got enough. We got a picture of Cersei wetting her pants. That was enough. She was. She was. Yeah. She was pretty excited. <laughs> we. we <laughs> God, he's gonna die. I mean, she. She could hardly contain her excitement. That was so. So we open up to uh, the song. Could you turn me down just a little bit? We open up to the song, and I hear that I heard that song, and my blood started boil, boiling at the excitement. To we see buckets in the wind, and uh, we come a person comes through the dark, going into a bar, and we hear a woman doing 
doing a really amazing stupid human trick, burping songs. And everyone in the bar is trying to guess what the girl's burping songs. And the guy says, Reigns of Casmere. And says, yeah, you got it. And the girl's, uh, and one of the guys uh, picks which song she's doing. But she says, you're good at this game, but too bad you have a tiny little cock. But this this was all just a lead up. She's a hooker. And we see that. There, well, I like how all the all the women in the background have at least one or two boobs hanging out. Yeah, and everything. It, it's that we have to fill in our HBO boob quotient in this. Oh, episode yeah. right here. There's a, there's a quota. <laughs> and then this it's it's funny because you, you instantly kind of notice that the, the men that are in there, they're all they're all in the black. You know, almost immediately that it's mole town. Yeah, that and then you and then you know exactly what's coming. You know, and we haven't seen anything about it for a while. So some people might not have might not have remembered what was coming or realized they were in Mole Town you, until they saw. Do you think that's more effective from a story standpoint to hold off on anything wildlings for a while to kind of make you forget about them and have them right. show up? Which is why we haven't seen the hundred thousand man army. They want to save that moment. Yeah. We, we saw it last season, but we haven't seen it at all. We haven't seen uh, Mance Raider the king beyond the wall at all this season so when that we get that moment later that's going to be something fun see, too so see i think it worked a lot better than it did with uh theon's sister and waiting waiting a season half of the season before we continue or continue on to her thing from last year when we she set sail to save theon i feel like this would they waited just enough time so you, the wildlings might escape your mind and then you just right. and then you remember it was just the perfect time to just pop right in there and and the girl that was burping goes in and she starts talking to Gilly, who's in there. And this is where Gilly's staying. Talking to her. She starts threatening her. Yeah, threatening her. Like, shut that baby up or I'm going to shut it up for you. Yeah, she's sorry she woke up the whore. You know, you don't want to wake up a whore. <laughs> and uh, she says, you are a wildling. You should have stayed where you belonged. But uh, but Gilly heard the sound. She knows. She knows what's going on. She heard the sound of the wildlings. And next thing we know, we see the wildlings in there killing everybody, killing all the people that were even the girl that was burping. I mean, she has a skill. That burping skill is is really useful. I mean, you could think that the wildlings might make use of that girl burping, but no, and they kill her, too. And uh, and we see Egret for a second kicking some ass and she hears the baby and sees Gilly crying, like hiding in a corner with the baby. And she goes shh and leaves. As much as I did like that, I find that somewhat unrealistic that she wouldn't just kill her. Like, well, I, I liked. Well, no. Is it because I, I, we like? Uh, is it because she had sex with Jon Snow that makes her good by having some sex with Jon Snow? Did some of Jon Snow seep? Did his some of his snow <laughs> seep into her and turn her good? Turn her heart gold. Egret has a heart. Come on. But you're killing. Always had one. She's just she's just pissed at Jon Snow. There's no reason to kill this this one. But they're woman killing with- everybody else. Maybe. But they're killing all the other women. Why? Yeah. They, why is she sparing? It's a little this unrealistic. It's a little unrealistic. Yeah, she, she's partaking in the slaughter. She considers this war, but she's gonna leave this. <laughs> On that Christmas morning, Egret <laughs> yeah, right. grew a heart this big. And I she, was a little, I was a little disappointed. She she had the warning. She heard the the fake owl call. She knew what was coming, but she only still that she's really didn't hide well at I mean, all i mean and i'm kind of shocked that there's not better places to hide in a place called mole town you know? <laughs> i mean obviously she saved her part partly because of the baby she respected the fact that the, this woman was hiding a baby she didn't want to kill an innocent child but yeah. but when it comes down to do you think it was more that she got wildling vibes from her she she was like wait a minute you're 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 not from you're not from this place i was expecting her to say something about being a wildling but how would she know 
that they were necessarily wildlings in the first place that were attacking. They could be anybody. Does she have Maybe her? She says I'm a wildling, and that gets her killed. Yeah, so. that's true. So we go off after this scene to Sam crying. I never should have left her there, Joe. Joe, we shouldn't have left Gilly there. And I thought we got a funny line where someone goes, that girl handled a walk from the wall and dealt with Craster. Uh, no no wildlings are going to freak that girl out. And in a sense, it's true. Gilly's been through a lot of shit. Any of those Craster girls uh, have dealt with way worse than an army of 10,000 or 100,000 wildlings. So so it, they get a little bit of a talk where where the uh, the the men of the night watch that believe that that believe in Jon Snow are worried are basically agreeing with each other that if they all die that they're going to be burned because none of them want to be turned to White Walkers. They can't go to Mole Town because it's their job to blah 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 blah. blah. Samuel Tarly just lamenting, "I killed her. I killed her. I shouldn't have sent her to Mole Town. It was me. It's my fault. She's dead now." No. And then it's like all the guys are like, "Oh, cheer up." You don't know. She survived all this other stuff. Like Sam just being a whole poor pity party pool right in the corner of the table. You know, they're all talking about how we're all about to die in the next couple of days. Yeah, there's a hundred just sitting there. Eh, she's dead. Oh, no. I mean, it, they really are. The 100,000 against 105 people. Oh, no. Dude, excuse the me. best thing 102. ever created to, to help protect them. A 700-foot, 300-foot wide ice wall. Well, they won't let them seal it up correctly. That they, they won't yeah, listen to John's Cullises, you know, I know yeah. that they got giants, but how, you know, those giants were pretty big. You've, you've seen how big the, the tunnel is. But if they're coming from both sides, it, it's going to get pretty here. To take into account, there's a reason this wall was put up and it's protected the realm for 10,000 years or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think I think these guys might be fucked. It's, it's looking they pretty. <laughs> it's looking pretty. It's looking pretty bad for John. All the uh, cannibal fens, the fen people in Igret coming up from behind them too. That's what I'm saying. They're kind of at the same exact time. This is a really disgusting ice cream sandwich facing the guys oh, yeah. in the wall here. They're gonna get squished. This is Klondike heaven right here. Some bad stuff's happening here. So after this, we go to Essaros and we see Gray Worm in the water. Looking at, I always blank on the translator's name. Someone can correct me in the comment section, but I forget her name. But we look, but we finally get to see her fully Melisande. naked. What was that again? Melisande. Okay, so so we look at her. Yeah. Queen's translator maiden. We see C three PO naked, and we <laughs> and we feel bad for Grey Worm because he's excited, but he doesn't have a penis, so he doesn't know how to process those feelings. He's intrigued. It's not. It's not really. He's in love. It's, it's he's not seeing, intrigue. He's, he's he, seeing the beauty of her, and he's in love. It's, he is in love, and he wants to give her pleasure. He just doesn't know it yet. He's just such a cute kid. That gray worm's such a cute kid. I want to. He's going through puberty as we're seeing right here. So she, and this is all this is all off book stuff too. This this scene, this gray worm, Alessandis. So she covers up, and it makes it seem like maybe she finds it creepy, but but you can tell she doesn't. She's covering up because she's she's turned on a little bit by it too. And then she has a meeting with Daenerys, where he tells uh, she tells Daenerys he she tells Daenerys that uh, he made her feel uncomfortable. And then Daenerys is like, "Now the unsullied care what's under your clothes." He would, and she's like, "No, Danny, you don't understand. He was interested. I know the fuck me eyes, and he was definitely interested." 
And then Danny wonders a very interesting thing. She wonders if they took the pillar and the rocks. The pillar and the stones. Pillar and the stones, yes. <laughs> Do they take the pillar? Do they take the pillar and the stones? What do they take? I, th- that's an interesting, interesting question because with Varys, we know that they took everything. Because he specifies that they took root to stem. They took it all off. But do we know about the Unsullied? It, it seems like the masters would be fucked up enough to cut off their dicks and give, keep them the, make them keep their balls. Just because they'd be like, oh, now they have balls. You, you might have a little bit more insight book-wise. Does that ever get into more detail in the books? No, just that they're... I, I think they're referred to as Unsullied, and they might be defined as being just eunuchs. But I'm not, I don't remember clearly. It's been a couple of years since I finished reading the books and I haven't reread them in a, in a while. Like I usually just like read a chapter here and there and whatever book I pick up and bring to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it turns a little dirty where, where Danny's like, you know, haven't you ever wondered? And, and she looks down and goes, yeah, I've wondered. I've wondered about Grey Worm. So she's, she's a little turned, she's a little turned on by the whole situation too. And because she wants some Grey Worm and she knows she probably can't have him. Or, I mean, there's ways that they can be with each other, but you know what I mean. So she goes to him or they meet up and he apologizes to her. She says, you don't have to apologize. He didn't mean to frighten her. And he said, you're very precious to you or precious to me. She she corrects him. But Jora taught him the word precious. Ah, isn't it great? I think I think his love is a little bit more healthy than Jora. We'll get to Jora in a second. And. And it told- seems it seems much more innocent and pure, of course. Like he 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 remembered the word precious from Jor- Jorah, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he was using that. Jorah used it to describe Khaleesi, probably. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what he used it for, but she asked what his real name is. She wants to know if he remembers anything before he was cut, and he does not. She's uh she's sorry because it was a horrible thing to do to a boy, but I really think she's sorry because she really wants to bang him right there. I think I think I, you might be right. I think I think, I think that's, that's why she's sorry. She wants him to be a whole man as well. I mean, let me. I'm being mean. She wants to love him, and she wants to love him in all ways. Right now, she wants to explore right. it by banging him. <laughs> and uh, and he says he's glad that that happened. He's glad the masters did that because if he, the masters didn't, and he's this is his line. This is his go-to instead of dealing with the actual situation. He just, yeah, he, it's it all. It's all fate. It all brought me to you, to here, to this moment. Without it. I'd be nowhere. I'd not be with you. So yeah. Speaking of being nowhere, and and as much as I did enjoy that stuff, um, that was probably if I'd have to rank all the. Th- I think they I think they spaced everything out perfectly in the episode. That was the thing I was probably that was cool stuff, but it just kept getting better and better. It was like a a snowball rolling downhill. It was, and I, I don't know. Even when I was in the books, I found a lot of the Khaleesi stuff to be very slow and tedious to read through so a lot of the sansa stuff too yeah but tonight's episode with her was and they're speed and they're speeding up so. and they're speeding up uh, daenerys's story a lot and making it a lot more palatable for television i, f- yeah. I f- feeling we'll be done with marine at the end of the season possibly who knows yeah. i mean we'll see how this situation proceeds or maybe right. she'll rule there forever it's it's hard to kind of tell how long because but i want she her to got, go to she's got three major free cities that she has to look after now that that are also she's like not only mother of dragons but she's mother of but she's got to be kingdom but she's also has to be looking to westeros at this point she has to be thinking like at the end of the season maybe she's going to be heading to westeros you've got to hope that i've got to i've got to be hoping that 
well, of course, you have to be hoping that, but you also have to be hoping that as she's going along, she's collecting these cities. If she burns and leaves them, you know, just raids them and leaves them, that's not her, like, sure, her goal is Westeros, but why, if she's queen of Westeros, why not be queen of everything? Why should these cities be still doing these evil things that they've been doing for so long after she's tried to stop them? Devil. She should incorporate them into her queendom of of Westeros and, and Essos. I, I and agree. I agree with you, Joe. But uh, devil's advocate here. How about to truly rule everything? She needs to get the head first. You know, go to go to King's Landing, rule, and then you can always go back and conquer all the rest from no, from the, the top the, of the mountain. The head, the head is Essos. Those are the free cities. Those are the cities that have never been conquered. They've always all ruled themselves. They're long free from. Valerian rule there, there. That's why the Iron Bank has been able to become so big because Bravos is its own entity. Oh, I Marines agree. It's its own entity. Slavers Bay. Each one of these cities, none of them were related to each other. They were all their own kind of free, no king. They were run by councils. It's hard somewhat. to argue with you because I agree with you essentially. But I, but from the entertainment factor, I want to see those dragons laying siege to King's Landing now. Uh, well. <laughs> Just laying siege to anything. Yes, let's see some dragons. Okay, so on to... The sheep for crying out loud. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Oh, so, so speaking of a sheep, we go to Reek and uh, Ramsey. <laughs> and uh, good, good, good transition. And Reek is uh, being fucked with by Ramsey, making sure that he knows that he's his dog because they're outside now and he's got them all dressed up like Theon Greyjoy. And he says, he says, <laughs> who are, yeah, who, what do you, what are you try now? Who are you playing right now? Now, if people ask you who you are, who are you going to say? I am going to say I'm Theon, but who are you? Are you a piece of shit until the day you die? Tell me you're a piece of shit. Now repeat it. I'm a piece of shit until the day <laughs> I die. <laughs> but, but then he goes, look at that castle over there. It never actually gets said what it is. I think maybe once at the end, but it's Moat Kalen. And he says, uh, go there. Let yourself in. Tell those people you are Theon Greyjoy. You look like a proud man, but you're nothing. You're just a you're nothing till you we, rot into the ground. We it, get a visual of it too when he points over to Mokalen, and it's really nice looking. It's uh well, it's not really nice looking, but the graphics, the visual is really nice. It's this really swampy area. There's a huge moat around it. It looks really decrepit like it's built up in a swamp like it's yeah it looks like i imagined it looking yeah it's re it's really nice I, there was a lot of really good visuals in this whole episode they're doing excellent one of the first ones that stuck out in my mind from bravos to this they're they're doing a lot of a great job this season on locations oh, it's beautiful fantastic. this season unbelievable and as theon is or excuse me reek is riding up to try to get the king's head or to bring him the king bring ramsey the king uh, one interesting thing I want to say, and I don't know if it was important or not. We did see a crow for a second. I don't know if that means anything, but as Theon was going by, we saw one single crow. Uh, whenever there's something like that, especially in this world, I question it. It was a, it was a very clear focus on it for a second, but, but that's neither here nor there. So Theon, well, no, that's a that's a great thing. Like there's such there's such imagery and symbolism in the crow throughout the whole novel and the series so far you have the three-eyed crow that brands chasing the black the the knights up at the wall are called crows because they wear all black they use crows as messengers between all the kingdoms um there's even more in the books concerning some some stuff with bran but it's uh you know crows eat the rotted flesh of 
off the battlefield, all this stuff that's just so when you notice that, when you notice something like the crow, that's intentional. That I didn't I didn't catch it, and that's a good catch, and that's stuff that goes right along with making this what brilliant show it is. <laughs> really, like that's a great thing to notice. Yeah, and and it was it was it was a clear shot of it. Just I don't know if it was to symbolize the death that was about to take place here oh, in this absolutely. moment. Absolutely, absolutely, that's what it's symbolizing. That's what crows symbolize. That's what. Right down to Edgar Allan Poe, everything that you know about, they eat carrion. They are, they are death and car- a flock of them is called a murder. So you know, it's, it's really quite awesome. Quite fantastic, actually. So after that, we see Theon, Riki, uh, riding up and they ask him who he is. He says, I'm Theon, I'm your king. I want to meet your con- commander. I'm Theon Greyjoy. I'm your prince. Uh, and they said, why are you riding with the Boltons? He, he said, he kind of was honest with them. He said, he said, uh, I was captured by them. They say, if you guys leave here now, none of you will be, hi-. no, he said specifically, you will be treated with the same level of respect I was treated with, which I thought was very interesting that he said that. And- well, yeah. Uh, do we remember this was the same thing that happened? They brought, they brought uh, Theon a message at Winterfell and said, open the gates and you'll all get to go free. And Theon's number one guy that talked him into taking Winterfell in the first place knocks Theon out, yep. opens the doors, and they all get slaughtered. Exactly what happens again, almost to a T, <laughs> except he doesn't get knocked out. The dude standing behind him puts an axe through his head. Yeah, and he's like, "Wait a second! If you said, did you did you say we could get out of here for to live?" <laughs> I love it though. While he's while he's negotiating, kind of negotiating with Theon, calling Theon a girl, and no, uh, we'll we'll fight our way out. You know, basically telling Theon to screw off, which is what prompts this guy to hit him in the head with the axe. Uh, who wants to take the deal? He chokes up blood on Theon, but like, he's talking to him because he's got some sort of really really sick sickness <laughs> from just being like out in Moat Kalen, this disgusting swamp place, and he coughs this like consumption size like mouthful of blood in Theon's face and Theon just starts like giving it reek 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 what are you muttering there girl (laughs) (laughs) he chokes on him it was great and uh we we do have some comments we have uh barbecue gamer hey how's it going welcome to the welcome to the show we also have uh we also have Ren Renwood back in here. He says, uh, westwarddoc.org, the Unsullied, they are fully castrated, penis and testicles cut, and their manhood burned at the altar of the Lady Spears. Uh, ratings, Entertainment Weekly, first was named, delivered 7.2 million viewers for its first airing at 9 p.m. That totaled 8.6 million, including encores for the night. Uh, Entertainment Weekly overall, Thrones is averaging 17 point, a whopping 17.8 million viewers this season across all platforms, up 24% from last year. Wow. Un- wow. Unbelievable. So, yeah. and, and I don't know why it's requiring approval for comments still, but whatever. I thought I shut all that shit off. Anyways, <laughs> I did form a chat room that I'm going to try to get hooked into uh, for the, at least the last week of the episode. I'll talk more about that a little bit later so we can get into the live chat room and, and you guys can talk to us directly right where we're going live. So there isn't, we're not messing with YouTube comments, but we'll deal with that later. So, so yeah, so Theon, they, they call Theon Rika out on it as right before uh, that guy stabs him in the, uh, stabs him in the head. He's like, as Joe was saying, you're a dog, you're nothing, you're, you sound like a puppy dog. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so, so the guy goes, yeah, okay, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go with you. We can all go free. And of course, Ramsey 
He's like, yeah, we're going home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sent them home. All right. He sent them right, right home where they belong. And he killed them all, cut them up into, you know, flayed them all. It looked. It goes. The shot is fun because it goes right from his face of like relief almost and like a little skeptical relief that Theon's telling the tr the, the truth. What a dumbass. And then it like quick cuts right into that same guy's face. Like right from him being alive to him being like his head is still attached to his body, but his whole chest cavity is exposed. He's like <laughs> on these pikes that are X's, like just like the banner, just like the uh, the Bolton's banner. It's this torso just completely flayed. And then there's a pans that like unfocuses to have uh, Ramsey talking to Reek, not Theon, because, of course, he was only Theon for a couple minutes there <laughs> yeah only for a brief i don't even think he was theon at all he's right no no he started to crack reek 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 start barking oh, reminiscing that's great he's like oh people you gotta love the classics <laughs> <laughs> it's all about history <laughs> ramsey's hilarious this guy this guy i i said it before but i but I think this the guy who's playing Ramsey, the actor, would be an excellent joker. I think he just oh, he, oh yeah, he has all the mannerisms in his uh, the way he moves, the way his face is shaped. I think he would be an excellent joker in the right kind of Batman story. So. No, I, I, you know, you saying that I can I totally see it. I see a. Uh... I wonder if he drew any inspiration from that character for this character. Maybe at there, all. Like, there it's is very a plausible. It is. It really with, is. With the joy that he's playing it, there's definitely yeah. some aspect of uh, Mark Hamill's uh, Batman the Anime ser Series Joker even that, like, Heath Ledger's, uh, even Heath Ledger's portrayal. Yeah, he's playing it a little bit more joyful than Heath, but like, I, but but I see I see the I see elements of all of the Joker in it. I mean, maybe it's my own projections, but I think it's there a little bit. No, I, I, I see. I can draw the, I can draw correlations from the performances. So even even Mark Hamill's, yeah, I, I, absolutely. The cartoon series, for, yeah. For real. I wouldn't be surprised. I could see him dance. I could see I could see him dancing around, throwing bombs. I, I, I'm sure, especially in that scene where he's fighting all the Ironborn people, and he just jumps on them ah, like from from a couple yeah, weeks ago. Blood all over him yeah. from you know. All the swords get in cuts. It's nice. So from that scene, we go to the Littlefinger trial, and he's sitting there and talking about his past, talking about how his uh, grandfather was from Bravos. And for the first time in the entire series, and uh, you could see the look on Littlefinger's face that he was legitimately scared. He did and not. You, and this is this is a little off book too. Um, in the book, there's a minstrel in the room when this goes down. Yeah, that saw it. Not Sansa, not Sansa, was, right? I'm pretty sure it's the same minstrel that was with Tyrion when they went to the Vale the first time. Mm -hmm. I might, I might be wrong about that. It, I'm sure I'll be corrected on the internet, <laughs> but I think it might be. She takes a shining to that minstrel, and he stays there because he's making money and he's kind of her plaything for a while. And he's in the room when she's slapping Sansa around mm -hmm. and hanging her over the door, and. Peter Baelish comes in, throws it through the moon door, and this guy sees it all. Peter Baelish instantly puts all the blame on this minstrel. It's one of the two changes in this episode uh, from from uh, book to show. It's something that the show does a lot, where they eliminate characters that are unnecessary and they combine them with other characters. Just it doesn't need Sansa's enough to be in the room, and they, it happened in the Oberon uh, mountain fight too. There was someone else that isn't there like a bystander or something that gets injured in that fight where they're fighting in the book or something like, I believe. Yeah. So. 
And I, they, I think you're right. And, and they didn't, suffers. yeah. And they didn't really need that. So they just kind of take, took it out. It would just convolute things. And I, and I like that the show does that. They, they did it. They've done it a few times. They did it with, uh, with, uh, with the brother, with Loris, with Loris and just making, uh, the Tyrells scaling down the Tyrells to only a few people here and there instead of an, another brother. They've, they've done it on a couple occasions and I think it ends up working out for the most part when they do it. Yeah, no, no, it, it worked out fine. I really, the, the part that comes up that this scene is, is off book and I love what it does with Sansa. And I, lo- I think it's brilliant. It brought a tear to my eye. I was, I was I, enamored I love- with it. I love this whole scene, and they and they and and she they call they know Littlefinger who they're like, listen, we know you're a grubby man. You, you <laughs> you're doing a grubby job. Whore mongering and money lending. Yeah, you, we know what kind of guy you are. Don't don't fuck with us here. We we <laughs> you were here two days, and suddenly Liza wants to marry you. We're we're well aware what you did. We heard her screaming in the halls. I mean, we all, right. everybody knows what you did with her, and uh, she was an odd fish, but she lived for that kid. You see that kid sucking on her tit every day. I mean, she lived for that. <laughs> Kid. she wouldn't she wouldn't she wouldn't kill it she wouldn't kill herself she suffered from melancholia he says yeah melancholia. she was depressed yeah and they say there was a witness your niece and uh and he's like i'll get her and they're like no no we'll get her we don't want you to do your little finger stuff again yeah he's, he's so he's explaining it away as it's suicide she threw herself out the door yep you know because she was so depressed about everything she couldn't live with life life anymore mm-hmm. so she just she flung herself through the door and that's, that's the, what he says. That's his story. He's sticking, he's sticking to, it. to it. Yeah, that's his story. He's sticking to it. And and he is he's so and he didn't even have a chance to communicate with Sansa as far as we know about communicating this plan exactly. To well, her. I imagine there's got to be at least a few moments that they're alone before people notice exactly who got flung okay. through the moon. Like nobody's rushing in going, oh, my God, who went through the door? Joe, let's replay. Let's replay the events. I'm uh I'm I'm Littlefinger. You're Sansa. But I just pushed Liza out the window. What's? What, ooh, you're gone. What do you What do you say to me right there? <laughs> what do I say to you? I go. Shh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just yeah, yeah. It's it, exactly. Isn't that Isn't that awful, Sansa? Yeah, did your you aunt Liza just committed suicide? Jumped yeah. out the door. You know. Yeah, he, like, he, yeah, you allude to it. You say exactly that. You say, if you don't say that, we're both going to die. You are my niece. Remember that. You are, you know, you, of course, you kind of go over it a little. You have at least a few moments. You have to say something in that in that instance. You don't just both sit there in silence while you wait for the guards at the bottom to figure out that it was her that fell through the door and then climb up the rock. Like, you're going to have to go out and say, oh, my God, she murdered herself before they come to you and say what happened to her. you got to figure Sansa, Sansa probably threw in a thank you, too. Like, like considering what happens next here, probably a thank you. <laughs> thank you there. Because I think she, I think ultimately, I mean, we'll get to it in a second here. But I think this I think this re, the main reason why she helped her helped him is because he she knows how batshit crazy her aunt was and she knows that she's safer with the little finger. Ultimately what he, what he said, someone that wants someone that admires her so much and looks at her and loved her mother and all that stuff. And she's supposed to be the spitting image of her young mother and all that sort of, sort of thing. Oh, which we kind of, yeah, yeah. So little finger is like, Oh, I'll date the council's like, we know you have, there was a witness in there. We want you to, we want to talk to her. We want to know what she has to say. And so Littlefinger says, oh, I'll go get her. Yeah. And they say, no, 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 no. no. That's no. unnecessary. We're not going to have let you. 
you know, poison her little tongue. Put no. your little little finger yeah. into your, her ear. Put your little and, finger uh, away. Put it away. Put it away. And <laughs> and so she's there, and and she goes, "Listen, I gotta cut the bullshit. I can't lie to you, Mister uh, Lord Baelish. I need to tell the truth." And you could see the look in his face, like, "Oh shit, we're in for some." Oh yeah, we're he's scared. For, he has no idea what she's about to say. He thought he was in for a stark moment. You know, one of those like Starks. Sh- be quiet, Jon Snow. Don't say you. And, well, I, and she, I slept with Egret. She Egrit. said it multiple times. It said, isn't it? Doesn't she say it like, I don't know how to lie. People know when I'm lying. I can't yep. do anything but tell the truth. If I don't, people know. It, she said it to Baelish at one point, I think. I think it said in, in one of what, the other seasons. What, wait, was that a lie too? <laughs> Is she really the best Stark liar? Was she? She it, might be. You know, she's needling at her sister all the time. It's and not, then getting her in trouble for it. It's not like Arya knows how to bullshit. Bran d- can't really bullshit either, as we know. He's not the best liar in the world. Probably okay at it, but not not bad. Uh, yeah, they wear their emotions right on their sleeve. Yeah, Rob couldn't lie. Uh, Ned couldn't lie. John's okay, but he doesn't know when to keep his fucking mouth shut. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, just, really doesn't. he really just doesn't know when to keep his fucking mouth shut. He's a cocky little prick, that Jon Snow. I love him, but he's, he's he, he doesn't know when to when to keep his mouth shut. So I would say Sansa was probably the best. She probably has the most of her mother in there that can like be can scheme a little bit and has a little bit more. Have even though even though Catelyn got got played, yeah, I think played with, a little bit. I think with that slap when she slapped Robin right in the face, I think that's a defining moment, a turning point that they have the 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 creators, the writers of the series anyway of the TV series have definitely made that the turning point in Sansa's character. Uh, an evolutionary step, if you will, that she, she ain't going to take it anymore. And because this scene, she comes completely out to these yeah. three. She says, you know, I can't tell a lie. Uh, yeah, I'm I, not his niece. I am Sansa Stark. Yeah. And we met the, before any point. She points to one of the guys and says, we met before you. Uh, and, and he looks at me. You, 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 uh, you worm, you lied to me. And he goes, he told all the lies to protect me. Since my dad yep. was killed, I was Cersei and Joffrey's play toy. All they used to do was fuck with Torture me. Torture and torment. They made me marry the imp. I had no finger, fr- no fingers and little little finger. I had no friends in King's Landing, only little finger. He saved me, smuggled me away, uh, gave me a chance so I could stay here and be safe with my own blood. I But I knew that the Lannisters have spies everywhere, so he told me to tell everybody a lie. And I was here, and my aunt, she was troubled. And Littlefinger, he came up to me, and she saw him kiss me. And they were like, kiss? Oh, blah, 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 blah. No, on the cheek, sir, on the cheek. I, I felt so comfortable and warm to be happy for the first time. And he, and he, <laughs> and, and he kissed me on my cheek. And, and, uh, and then my aunt confronted me. She threatened my life, called me a slut, tried to push me down the moon door. And Littlefinger saved me. And she threw herself out because she thought he didn't love her anymore. And it's and they tried to talk her down. He kept saying how much he loved her and everything, but she just wouldn't listen. listen. And this is brilliant, too, because this does this does two great things. Then she starts crying herself to these three protects her in from Littlefinger in a in a way, as well as helps protect Littlefinger. Because she really does have a hard time lying. Most of what she says to them is all is honest truth and how she feels. So it's easy to say, and it's very smart. It shows that she was paying attention. All her silence and, and time in King's Landing, watching these evil people play their Game of Thrones, she was watching. She was absorbing it, and they show that. She pulled, and, 
She pulled the Spock from uh, Star Trek VI when she knew how to process, use the correct information in a dishonest way in the prop. So she didn't actually lie. She told the truth and tapped into real emotion, and it worked perfectly. This woman walks up and starts hugging her, and she starts crying into the woman's arms. Which is, which is uh, remember back to one of the other episodes, we hear uh, Tyrion and talking to... Oberon about Cersei using honesty, yep. honest emotion for dishonest gains. Yes, and, and that's exactly what Sansa taps into here and gives to the council. She it's it's all based in honesty. It's all it's all the truth except for what they're there to get after. And, and she hides that in all the raw honest emotion of everything that she she leads up to. And she threw herself out the moonroof door. And that's, that's it. That's what happened. And Littlefinger, the, the look on Littlefinger's face is priceless. I can't wait for all the memes to come out of it. It's just. And she in, calls him and she says, so for all intents and purposes, he is my uncle. Yep. He is Uncle Baelish. Uncle Baelish. And Uncle Baelish just has this shit eating grin on his face. Like, Yep. And, and Royce immediately, when she says that she's Sansa Stark, he's like, oh, yes, you know, absolutely. We loved your father. Your father grew up in these halls. He was a ward here. He learned how to sword fight here from John Aaron. He learned everything about being a, a warden of the, the, the Lord of the North. He learned everything about it from John Aaron. John Aaron was his mentor, like a hero to, uh, to him, you know, and then him they... and Robert Baratheon. So it was really it was super smart it was Sansa's one of her shining moment in my mind like this was such a, a great Sansa scene yeah I have to give her like a huge round of applause for the way she played this and I'm a, I'm really hard on her completely it, off book too she was amazing fantastic. and the actress played it so perfectly too it was a great yep. performance and a great and an excellently written scene it was it, and I think what was great afterwards is then all the veil people just kind of jump on board and they're like mm -hmm. yeah she was crazy you see that woman carrying that kid on her tit all day long yeah she's just she's wacky <laughs> this is probably the best thing and following the whoremonger and moneylender around the halls yep and Littlefinger is just like is just like you guys have been dropping the ball you're letting everybody run rock roughshod over you where do you people in the veil stand you didn't stand for anybody in in this in the in the war for the war for the kings over there you're just a bunch of pussies and look at tywin who's gonna fuck with tywin now he's got all the power and They're like what would you have us do lord baelish we'd get behind crazy little robin robin he's a sickly little strange boy <laughs> They're like, but he's the lord of the veil dude he's the lord of the veil yep. and it's time he starts acting like the lord of the veil yep or get get to living or get to dying Right, and the sooner he gets him out of this castle, the easier it'll be for him to get dying. Yep, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. No, he'll be safe. Oh, he'll be fine. Don't worry about that kid. He's gonna be. He's gonna be just fine. Yeah. This is the only way he sure learns. He is. Sure, he is. We're gonna drop the friggin' uh, we're gonna drop the dog into the water and see if he sinks. You know, I mean, come on, yep. poor kid. You gotta feel bad for this kid. This kid didn't have a chance. And uh, and he is go he needs to learn. But I do agree. He needs to learn how to ride a sword, uh, ride a sword, ride a horse, swing a sword. It's yep. I mean, ultimately, Baelish has a couple of decent points in what this kid needs to do. But it and, and they and they all know that, too. They all know that because what's he going to do? Just scream and yell from the from the from his throne there in the throne room in the in the moon room. Make him fly. Make him fly. when he's 30 years old. Come on. 
the his his lords from around the Vale are going to kill him. Going to throw him through the moon roof. They're not. Gonna, so he's got to go on tour. He's got to start making friends. He's got to start making promises. He's got to start collecting revenue better. He's got to learn how to run a kingdom. And Baelish is saying, "Let's get him out there to do this." Absolutely. Otherwise, agree. It's the right thing. No, it is the right thing because a lot of people brought this up in the comment section uh, from the last uh, from last episode. But it's true. This guy, this kid. If something isn't done about this kid, one way or another, we're we're looking at someone that could be worse than Joffrey. This right. kid, but you know, it, is it too late yet? And I don't condone uh, smacking hmm. smacking kids around or anything. So what do you? I mean, what do you do? You can only solidify this kid by smacking him around. You have to figure that a kid like this. I I'm not sure how old he's supposed to be, but you got to figure he hasn't been raised at all. He's so he, if he actually grows up, maybe he's not crazy. Maybe he's just a perpetual child, and there's still a give. There's still chance to kind of to kind of teach him some stuff, or he could just turn into a crazy motherfucker and like, like or like Ramsey or something like that. Or Ramsey, a nice Joffrey Ramsey mix. Oh, that's good. That's what this world With needs. A little bit of mountain thrown in, but uh, sickly. So he's so he's not. So he's easy, yeah. He's easily stoppable. <laughs> he's an ant hill. We'll call him the ant hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Barristan, so we go to Barristan and Barristan's watching people's heads chopped off and a little boy with uh Tywin, I, I'm pretty sure, I know is a Baratheon stamp uh, with the King's stamp on there, gives a letter to, a letter to Barristan that he opens up and he comes in and shows it to Jorah and it's a royal pardon signed by Robert Baratheon and uh, Bar Barristan knows right away he, he, what, what this is all about. He goes, you were spying on him. Uh, I think, the, I think the stamp, yeah, the stamp was... Uh, was it Tywin's stamp? No, it was uh, the hand symbol in the ring that, you uh, know, the one okay. that no, totally, he wore totally. as a brooch. Yep. It was that symbol, the hand symbol from Ned that was uh, uh, the stamp on the... The, the last sort. Ned couldn't catch up with him to cut his head off, but uh, he got one, one last thing. Ned, Ned would be happy to be a part of the, what just happened here. So if ever Tywin and Ned could work together, this was the one situation to get to fuck Jorah in the ass here. So, <laughs> so Jorah wants to know who. Uh, Jorah gets defensive for a second here. Which I, I, I'm pretty sure Ned didn't want that pardon sent. It was sent by Robert. King Baratheon yeah, when by Robert. Ned had resigned as King of the Hand. Hand of the King. Hand of the King, right? King of the Hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Willy Wonka. Strike that. Reverse. King of the the foot soldiers. The foot soldiers, yeah. <laughs> so who gave it to him? He does, doesn't matter. Have you told? And he wants to know if he's told her. And he said, "No, I figured I owe it to you to tell you first. I will not go behind your back. Uh, but you'll never be alone with her again, Jorah." So Jorah goes to the 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 throne room, and Daenerys. Oh my God! I gotta give. I give. Well, they're all there waiting for him. They're yeah. all up there. I got yeah everyone's waiting for but I got to give Daenerys uh I give Daenerys some shit but the actress really kicked ass tonight in this scene she hit a home run I really bought her disdain bought her heartbreaking and she does that well she, and in all her really emotional scenes they were all viable she's a very good actress they cast this whole series top to bottom very well they're all they're all thoroughbred I mean uh, thoroughly fantastic actors it's great so who gave it to him it doesn't matter have uh and, sh and oh, she wants to speak alone and they say no we will not speak alone uh who sent this it was uh Ty and he's like no tywin sent this because he he wants to screw screw with us you know uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and she well, yeah he tries he tries to start talking his way out of it like like forget about what you think 
why else would they send this now of all yeah, time? Of now. But, it's, exactly. <laughs> he tries but, to like, it doesn't. She, yeah, and she even says it. Look, it, this came ha- how many years ago? This pardon was for a few years ago or something like that. Yeah, well, he even asks, you said it, he, he says to Barrister and Selmy, he's like, I want to talk to her alone. You'll never be alone with her again. And then when he first walks in, he's like, you know, Khaleesi, let me talk to you alone. Yeah. Like he, he like only to the only reason for that would be to try to talk her out of it, to try to not let other people interject their thoughts into her ear. It's very uh, like it. It's manipulative and would only kind of piss her off more that he would ask that in in a way. We have, you a- know, like you, if you want to talk to me, you talk to me. Like we're alone. I'm, you know, yeah. if we were, if I wanted you to be alone right now, we'd be alone right now. So, and I thought this played really well, like a big breakup, and I thought it was great. We have a couple of comments uh, from Ren Renwood in regards to Robin. It was just bad parenting. Yeah, very bad parenting. <laughs> and they and they said that's the understatement of the year. And they said yeah, it was definitely. A nurture thing, not necessarily a nature thing. You're and absolutely they, right. And they said it. They said he was ten in the episode. And uh, Akon D, welcome to the welcome to the show. Uh, that dumb, arrogant bastard. Now, ty, now Tywin uh, Tyrion has to escape. Yeah, dumb, arrogant bastard. We're gonna get to that. We're definitely gonna get to. My name is Nick Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna get that. Don't 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 you worry. Don't you worry. So so uh, Jorah. Zor is going to the throne room, as I said, and uh, and he is. She wants to know when what what was going on. He admits that he was uh, give, writing letters to Varys, the spy master, and she about Drago, uh, Drogo, about Hyphen Drago, about uh, about her brother dying. And she comes down and goes, "Did you tell him about my baby? Did you tell him I was pregnant?" And he goes, "Khaleesi." And this this was one of those moments where I really felt this because everyone that's been through a breakup knows this moment. Your your girlfriend Sally that you call Sal, but when you're in the middle of the breakup, you call her. Come on, Sal, and she goes, "Don't call me that anymore." He calls her Khaleesi, and she goes, "Don't call me. Don't I call can't me see that." This was that big of a secret to begin with. She's marrying the call of the largest. Kalasar in it's not the about world. it's Over not about that it's about the men. it's you know that it's not about that it's about the deception it's about being really pissed off that you're in a normal situation where a friend you think is telling you the truth is actually lying to you and she calls it's about the wine merchant thing too the wine merchant you killed a you yeah that looks very manipulative at that moment that's more to, in in my mind if I was looking at it I'd be like yeah you we're going to have me poisoned. And then you had the guy that was giving me the poison. Stop giving me the poison because you knew it was poisoned only to get close to me, Do only you... to get in my fold, only to, to be close. And it's one of the, it's one of her three big betrayals, which is why she's so furious when she gets warned, you're going to be betrayed three times. Now, do you think Dora is one of those three? Now, the real question is, do you think that, Daenerys made the right play here. Do you think she acted too emotionally and didn't look at it as in the way that Jorah was bringing it to her that this is a plan from Tywin to weaken you? Do you think she well, should have considered still that? She's young too, so she's got a lot of emotion behind everything she does, which was one of the great things that Jorah was was good at trying to keep her emotion in check. Like she wanted to go out and have all the masters at the other city killed, and he talked her into mercy over the slave thing. So it's uh. It's an interesting question. She's supposed to only be like uh, 
Yeah, it's it's confusing. We we can't get into the yeah we can't get into the age thing because the age thing's so much confusing between the two. We can't use the books at all because I think they just aged everyone a little bit differently on the show, and that's just how thing you know just how things are. And I think it works. I think they couldn't have made Daenerys that young on the show. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have played well for for uh for norm for a lot of audiences. So so. No. She, so he go, yeah, so he go, no the the for that episode with Drago, but uh, Drogo, but in a sense that episode uh, I don't want to get into it. Okay, I'm gonna move on. So so basically, uh, Jorah walks up to her and kind of puts his arm on her and says, "Listen, Khaleesi, come on." And she says, "Don't touch me. Leave this city by the end of the day. I don't even want to kill you because I don't even want your body in the city. If get the hell out by the end of the day, or I'll have your head and bury you." And Jor- no, I'll, I'll throw your head in Slaver's Bay. Slaver's Bay. Yeah, thank you. I'll throw your head in Slaver's Bay. She doesn't say what he'll do, she'll do to his body. And Jorah, and Jorah leaves immediately. And, uh, and Tywin wins again, Joe. That's what happens. That's what happens. When Tywin writes letters, Tywin wins again. I think someone, again, in a comment pointed out that they saw Tywin writing a letter or messing with some stuff. And, and I think... Oh, because it was in the meeting when Tywin is asking about Jorah when they were having the meeting about Daenerys, and he and he says something about get me. Uh, he yells at uh, at the Tyrell guy, "Give me my paper to write a letter," which could be could be thinking that uh, Ty, that was when Tywin put this plan into motion at that point. So Tywin Tywin's a genius, and and anytime you see him writing a letter, bad stuff's gonna happen to people. And Jorah was right when we fight amongst ourselves. Tywin wins. Tywin wins. And that's what he knows, and that's why Tywin keeps winning. He knows that he, he knows it's a marathon, not a sprint. This Game of Thrones, right? It, it's it's more than that. If you can keep people hating each other more than they hate you, you win. You become an ally to everybody at that point. You know, my enemy's enemy is my friend, <laughs> so, kind of thing. So you make people who are friends enemies, and you become both of their friends. So, so you can pit them against each other. Sorry for the mispronunciation, but Mitch J- uh, Mids, Ms. Jaina, uh, well, now Jorah is way out of the friend zone. <laughs> yes, Jorah is not coming back anytime soon. I don't think. Yeah, from friend, he was friend zoned to, to exiled. That's and, a big step backwards. And he says he loved her. He came straight out. I love you. And how can you say that? She said. And I, I, fe- I felt even though Daenerys wasn't in a relationship with this guy, this is the probably the one of her confidants she's had the closest uh, connection to, and she even says that I believe it's the last. She's her episode. last tie to, to to all of it to her brother to to Westeros kind of. Uh, Barristan's and, there, but well, but Barristan, if you remember too, Barristan wasn't there in the beginning. Barristan was on the same side as Jorah. Yeah, that's true. Working for King Robert. I mean, and then before that. He that was on wait, the that's side an of inter- her father, so that- he's actually a turncoat twice. Yeah, that's an interesting and now point. Working for her, and I think that's something that kind of gets brought up too in the books, which is different so far right now. So, I mean, and that's—I mean, she says something about that to or Jorah and her have that conversation when Selmy first shows up, and uh, I think she kind of just dismisses it uh, with what Barristan says to her about you know everybody thought everybody was dead and basically how well i fought for your family is why i was pardoned yep. you know so so jorah leaves immediately way out of the friend zone he's gone 
And that's a that's a big blow for her because he was probably in some ways one of the best advisors she had because he he ha- he was out for just her. He was the only one of them that I think Barristan's looking at it at for the realm and thinks of her as the true heir to the realm at this point. So that's why he's there. I think. Well, is is that why he's there, or does he look at it also as that's his way back into the realm? He's I, sick of being an Esos. He's sick of being. Is it he has nowhere else to go? Is it? Do you think it's more that that this is his last place he has a chance to go? He's like, oh, where can I go now? Oh, I might as well go to Daenerys. Could be. Maybe. You know? I a- mean, that's. I mean, he kind of had his out with the pardon, with the poisoning, and the wine, but, and he didn't take that out. Maybe he knew also that if she got poisoned in that particular moment, he would have been blamed and killed and left in the city. Mm. They might have just hung him out to dry because it's too much to know. If he if he lets them go through with it, Jorah knows exactly what happened. You can't let Jorah live. You got to kill Jorah too. So it's... you got to kill you got to kill the guy that kills JFK, and then <laughs> you got to kill Jack Ruby, and you got to kill Lee Harvey uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Jesus. So, so we go to Reek after this. Speaking of a patsy here, we go to we go to Reek. I'm sorry, I don't want to get into the whole JFK JFK thing. Uh, uh, Reek Reek uh, is presenting Moat Kalen. Uh, not Reek. Uh, Ramsey's uh, presenting Moat Kalen to Roose Bolton. They go for a walk, and uh, the, he says that most of the Iron Bond have fled thanks to you. And it's cool to see Roose. We haven't seen Roose that much this season, and. Uh, and he says just little bits, little just, small scenes. We see him earlier when, you know, when he's having the conversation about the little boys with his son and reeks in the corner saying, yeah, I let them go. Those are just two little orphans that I found. Yeah, it's good to get a big scene of uh, Roos here and hear Roos talking about the power going to his head a little bit. He's like, look around, look at this whole north. It's bigger than everywhere else. And I control it all. I'm the warden of the north. I, I am the lord of all you see. And the kingdom is mine. And guess what? And then it was really weird. This scene was set up almost, you see the why Ramsey treats Reek the way he does. Because even the way that both uh, Roos is talking to him, he's like, say your name, say your name. And, and similar to the way that Ramsey attacks at, uh, at Theon. And you can see even the way Ramsey's dealing with him. He's so meek around him. He's almost like a little reek around him. Like around a roost, like oh yes, yes, father, yes, father. Anything you say, father. And and he's Severe like, Stockholm syndrome. He's yes. like, tell me your name and what's your name now? Ra- Ramsey Snow, sir. Ramsey Snow. I reek. I mean, Ramsey Snow. And he said, no, stand up. You are Roos Bolton. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was exactly the same. It was like a. It was like. You're right. It was. It was so the same exact thing. I'm surprised he didn't do. say you're going to play a part. You're going to play a part called Roos Bolton. But remember, exactly. you're always snow. <laughs> you're always a snow. You're never truly my son. But because you've been so good, I'm presenting you with this gift, puppy dog. Take the treat. Take the treat. Yep. And he he legitimizes him, Ramsey Bolton, and he says, "Till till I till I die, you honor me. Till I die, I will make I will make." worthy of you father i will fight for your name ramsey's legitimized and uh the boltons control the north and reek gets to bathe ramsey everyone wins yep it's a i'm I'm going to need a bath when we get back to where reek says can we go home now to ramsey and ramsey says yes we will we're going to our new home and i think where they're marching off to after he gets his full title the of bolton instead of snow i think they're headed to winterfell Hmm burn down i was just gonna i was just gonna ask you is uh is someone going to go to winterfell 
I think that's him that's on his way to Winterfell at the moment. Um, it's a burned down, burnt out husk, and that's where Ramsay's headed. Oh, Theon returns. Welcome back, Theon. I'm sure they'll be so happy to see him there. Yep. <laughs> so, speaking of very, very happy, we get Littlefinger and Sansa talking about what we saw. Littlefinger says, last time I saw you, you were a child, but you're not a child anymore. It, why did you help me? And she says they would have executed if, if executed you if they found out. And she says, what, if they executed you, what the hell what do you think they, they do, do to me? me? Yeah, what do you think they do to me? I gambled on, and she gambled on the devil. And she goes, he goes, she goes, he goes, you don't know what I want. She goes, I know what you want. And she gives him a look. I'll give you what you want. Again, that's how I read the look. <laughs> well, she she gives him. She says basically, I know what you want. I think she alludes to him. She knows that he I don't wants think, her. I don't think that's that what he, he wants. Wants to rule the Vale, everything. She wants it all. He wants it all. Do you he think she really knows what she? Joe, she do you, knows. Do you think she? But do you think she's being clouded and thinks that he just wants her? No, I think she's smarter than that. I think that, like I said, she's been watching and learning in King's Landing for a while. She knows exactly what, what Peter Baelish wants. And I think it showed, I think there's great evolution. And when she walks through, um, well, what's, what's the next the, scene? The, the, the next scene that we have after here is we, uh, we get a quick scene of Arya and the Hound. They're walking oh, towards the veil awesome scene. and, uh, and they're talking about, uh, Joffrey being dead. And, uh, and, and the Hound's like, I thought it would make you happy. And he goes, and she goes, so no, they're talking about poison. poison. No, no, they, they lead into it. They're talking about Jeff Joffrey's death initially thought it would make you happy. And she's like, no, it wouldn't make me happy. I, I want, I wanted to, you, and he goes, you're never happy. And she goes, I was happy when I killed uh, those two other guys. I was very happy. And she's like, I he's like, you wanted to kill Joffrey. No, I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted to be there to see the look in his face when he dies. And uh, I and then she goes to the hound. You protect Joffrey. Do you think you could have protected him? And he goes, I wasn't the wine taster. Little shit deserved to die. But poison, that's a woman's weapon. And she a says. is what a man uses. Yeah. And this is where she starts schooling him. And they're just talking about killing. That's why you'll never be a good killer. Because that's your pride talking. Yep, I'd use a freaking chicken bone to kill him if yep, I if, if I, I had could. To. <laughs> Great line by Arya. This scene played as a comedy scene. It was just it was just back and forth dialogue. Bam, 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 oh, bam, yeah. bam. It's none of the, I, I'm pretty sure none of this is in the book. <laughs> like this whole this whole uh, trek of theirs to the veil, indeed. Yeah, and he calls her a lady. I'm no lady. And uh, he looks at the uh, she looks at the wound on his neck from the biter, and she goes, "You should have let me burn it." And he goes, "No, it's just a little bite from a tick, from a little bug." Yeah, it's, a, it's a like flea bite or something. Flea bite, a flea bite. That's what he says, a flea bite. Don't worry about that. So they get to the bloody gate, and the hound goes, uh, "They go, welcome to the who wants to pass the bloody gate?" And he goes, "The bloody hounds here." And I have the niece of Liza Aaron, uh, Arya Stark, and uh, and and they say, "Oh." We're sorry for your loss. Liza's dead. And and Arya starts cackling, uncontrollably laughing at the Hound's uh, misery. I think that's basically what she's she's laughing at how this this keeps getting worse. I think she she has a little bit of different well, perspective well, than Sansa. They're, they're at the Bloody Gate. It's a very ominous sounding place. Uh, they're at Arrow Point. The Hound announces them. Now, they know that there's a price on the Hound's head. Okay, they're there to sell He's Arya such a Stark, dumbass, yeah. the last like known heir, pretty much, except for the, the to the three people that were in that room with Baelish, heir to Winterfell. That 
he comes in, he says, I'm the hound, <laughs> this is Arya Stark, and we're here to see her Aunt Lysa. Dump, da dum da dub. Dead. So when he yeah, oh there he's there's a look on his face, not like, oh shit. I'm not going to get paid, but oh shit, I'm about to die. <laughs> Akon D would like to jump in that uh, I bet Jor is going to try to win his place back with Daenerys. I would not doubt that he tries to find, oh, do whatever yeah. he can. He's in love with her. That's exactly what he will try to do. And, He'll think of some way to get back in, of course. And Sansa the Evil Queen, LOL, what a transformation. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. She, she definitely had. And we get into that scene in a second. And after this, we have... Uh, Right after the uncontrollably laughing Arya well, moment. I, we, I gotta we go- say, with all the great acting that I've gotten from Arya, this laugh felt very forced to me. It didn't sound like a... You th- you felt like the actress was just forcing a laugh there? I, I felt like the actress let me down a little bit. But hey, live and learn. She'll, she'll get it better next time. Maybe they didn't do enough takes for her to get it right. It was a long day. Yeah. But that laugh just felt forced as I was listening to it echo through the mountains. So. They they uh, they they had such a great lead up to that scene. Maybe it was just it's kind of hard to just force a laugh in that moment yeah. right there. That's, that's but it's a, such a I, when they said like that's exactly what I did. I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's so precious. That's great. That's like, of course, what a stark moment. Like for whatever, they even say her name and exactly the moment you have, and she laughs about it. She knows it's it's fut- so, like the futility. I gotta say, for whatever it's worth, it was effective for me because I started to laugh too. So it yeah, it, it, was, it, it, it to it, me, I it felt was like a great scene in a great moment. I just felt that the actress didn't laugh. It didn't feel like a great acted moment you know it i felt like maybe yeah she uh she came out of character a little bit and just laughed at the moment uh here we go uh a few more comments uh katniss was bad as always uh wait that was sansa's uh yeah, Catelyn was badass as always. Wait, that was Sansa Stark. Yeah, exactly. And Sansa is playing the Game of Thrones. She's finally playing the game. I, yeah. Exactly. Is that, is that the very next scene? Is is her coming yeah, out? Yeah, it's it goes to Robin talking to Littlefinger, and he's telling Robin, "Everyone dies. Don't worry. Go out there. Learn about life. Uh, life needs to change as long as it lasts." Blah blah blah. He's talking to her, and right at that moment, Sansa comes out dressed to the nine looking at well she's in this black gown that's very um it's a veiled the and it was a very katniss kind of moment the comment is nice because the dress had the no and katniss because yeah because the dress had those uh feathers on it on the shoulders she was modeling the dress and that's a uh an a a veil style with the birds with john aaron house and his symbol of the birds and everything so it had the feathers on the shoulders. It's a good comparison. It's a good parallel to, to the characters. And uh, when she steps out with that bright light sun glaring behind her and Peter Baelish takes a look at her, she does look exactly, and he says it to her so many times, exactly like Catelyn. She has her hair pulled back, her posture, the way she moves down that tight-fitting dress. It was a very Catelyn moment. She was capitalizing on, yeah, I know exactly what you want, Peter Baelish. So I know what you want. So that's, is she prepared? one of the things you want, and you want the power. So is she prepared to give it to him? No, I. Is she just going to tease him? I think she's going to try to play she the put game. The carrot, a little. Put the carrot. Put the carrot. She's going to try to little finger the little finger a little bit. It feels like she's 
Got to give Sansa a round of applause to play what she's I got, think. though, to use her tool. Like, she's learned so much at King's Landing by watching Cersei and Joffrey fuck with her. It's like people yep. learn. It's, it, the Beatles wouldn't have been the Beatles if they weren't in Hamburg playing in dirty clubs every single night. And Sansa wouldn't be like this if she didn't deal with the unfortunate events that caused her to lead up to this. But right now, she's got one up on Littlefinger because, exactly, she knows what he wants so she can play with him. Because at first glance, you could think that she was flirting with him here, but she was in the sense that she knows how to she knows how to keep him at arm's distance. He's not the type of guy that's going to slap or hold her. You know what I mean? He's not going to do that. He, she can play with him, and she knows that. She knows you're not in danger with him, really. No, she knows that she is in danger with him, but I don't think he, I don't think she's in he danger. He won't treat her. I don't feel like she feels like. He's not going to do the Joffrey things, like you said, slap yeah, me around. He's not going to do that to her. One of the girls in his brothels. He's it's, not going to. He's not going to rape her. He's going to. He's going to say the same thing to her that Tyrion said, and not until you want to, kind of thing. Yeah, he wants. He's playing a different kind, a different game. He's about the power and control of the mind as well as the body. You know, he wants. A, he wants. That's an interesting question. Is it going to become too easy for Littlefinger? Is he going to is he going to become bored with it because it's like he's getting everything he wants. So he's just going to want more and more and more. That's the crazy part of Littlefinger. He wants it all. He said it before, right? He wants everything. So here we go into our home stretch of the episode where we get honestly everything that we had tonight, this scene coming up, I can't even do this scene justice because I got so into it watching it that I didn't take proper notes. The Tyrion and the Jamie scene. And uh, we, I've talked about this a lot. We haven't got that much. We've got more this season towards the end. But we haven't got that much Tyrion and Jaime through the whole series. Because except for those first couple of moments that we see them together. These two actors have amazing chemistry. And they play yeah. off each other well. And they really come off as brothers that care about each other. And again, similar to the way... Arya and the Hound just had this beat to their conversation. This conversation was fucking hilarious, just the way it went back and forth between the two of them. I, well, I couldn't get I, enough I of have it. a lot of conversations with people who just want to touch on the Arya and Hound thing real quick. That yep. People say that she genuinely cares for him. What do you think of that? Do you think she genuinely cares for the Hound? No. Like, wants she, to see him get better and healed? No. I think I think you talked about it a, really well last week, and I think your point was clear. She she looks at him as a tool for survival that she knows she's realistic about her chances out there alone. And she knows that the hound is a big pincushion to hide behind. And I think maybe he could have had a couple of chances where he could have repented. I don't think she's so cold hearted that if he really showed real responsibility for what he did and sorry for some of the actions that he committed that she thinks he, that were wrong that he did he pro she probably would take him off the list, but I don't think that she feels that way now. I thought last episode kind of confused things a little bit because they had a couple of really good moments, and this episode you could really see the look she, in her well, face. She reiterates it too. You should have let me burn it. Yep, because I think because I think she's looking at that and she's thinking that once you can't move anymore, you're no use to me. You know, once you can't fight, you're moving a little slower these days, Hound. You know, you're not quite you're not quite as fast that she, that maybe she's not. I don't know if she she hasn't taken him off the list. He's still on the list and she's tried to kill him a couple of times. We'll we'll see. I mean, she she's learning a lot from him. And I think that line where she said, that's why you'll never be a good killer. I think she's coming to the point where I've learned enough from you now and I'm ready to be done okay. with you. 
I just wanted to make sure I like because I've I've heard the argument a few times from a few different people that she really has a feel a care mm. for him and a I feel, think she's just a, a feeling, good... feelings for him. I think she's just a good person somewhere inside there and being around somebody that's protecting her. She is, she could potentially do that, but he's such a dick. He's such a miserable bastard that, that he doesn't feel sorry for anything he did. And he can't help but rub in every chance he gets uh, something that he did. And I think she's looking for reasons to redeem him, but she finds none. She finds none. Cause he, cause, cause as much as I like the hound there, he's, he is who he is. So, so here with Tyrion and Jamie, Jamie is getting Tyrion drunk and he thanks him. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're talking, Tyrion's discussing the, the craziness of the fact of two men killing each other for one other person's life. And it tells a lot about the gods, if that's what the gods take to be satisfied. And he, uh, he asks Jamie if Oberon has a chance. And, uh, this is where we get that funny line where he's oh, like, no, oh, he's going to, Oberon. Oh. Yeah, he, he goes. He goes with a name like the Red Viper of the Dorn. He's got. He's got to be deadly, right? And then he goes, "Oh, he's got. You got to get that name somehow." Yeah, he's got. He goes, "No, he's gonna die. I'm gonna die." <laughs> well, I think that's an, an alluding to. I I think we can kind of talk about how he got how he gets that name. I mean, we have the allusion to it too. It's and they the, took out what you said, the guy getting hurt in the audience. Right. So, so that, right. so that's not, so it might be a, re, a reveal for next week. So we're, so we're not going to talk about that right away. Uh, but he did, if you want to find out some history of Westeros stuff, there's a lot of good videos. Uh, comic book girl, uh, 19, I believe is her name. Uh, she does a lot of good history of Westeros type videos. I believe this is an over over on one, uh, to learn more about the family of Martell. You can learn a little bit more why he's called the red Viper. Just in case. I, I just think we have a good with, with Aria earlier in the conversation she's having with the hound i think we have a good kind of foreshadow moment yeah as well that alludes to everything yeah so, but I, I just don't just in case i don't want to i don't want to say anything right. so uh so uh he, Tyrion gets into this conversation where he starts talking about uh <laughs> what's the what's the what's the penalty for uh for killing a king and uh, he goes is it is it going to be torture am i going to be drawn and quartered what, what's going to happen and jamie's like no just beheaded well that seems a little small for uh for her, for killing a king, but what about for matricide, castricide, yeah, no, suicide? What, what, what? It's not. But he's not just a king. He's also my nephew. Doesn't that count for something? Don't. Shouldn't it be more fanciful than just to be heading? I mean, and what is the name for that anyway? Yeah, and he's like, what do they, you call it? Matricide, patricide? No. It, what is it? Ah, oh, ah. Every time uh, you kill somebody, nepicide. that's it. Nepicide. <laughs> every time you kill somebody, there has to be a name. Uh, oh, is there anything that there you kill someone there isn't a name? And Jamie goes. Uh, cousins, <laughs> you know, there's yeah, he no names a bunch of He's like suicide, regicide, patricide, matricide. Yep. He names a whole bunch of them first, which it's, is kind of funny. Yeah, it's pretty, goes, pretty funny. Cousins killing cousins. And then he says, do you remember a cousin, uh, that, a cousin that used, Orwell? yeah, that used to kill bugs, used to kill beetles with rocks and, uh, uh, and cook, cook, whatever the noise was. Yeah, yeah cook, 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 And I, I thought a really funny line here and a telling line was when uh, Jamie and him used to make fun of that kid. And uh, and Jamie said, oh, I thought you liked broken things. And uh, Tyrion says, laughing at others' misery made me feel normal. Made me feel like I wasn't the only miserable person. No, he said specifically, made me feel mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. And uh, it, which was interesting because it's not like what he said to Bran before. That was a little different side of Tyrion. We're getting a little bit more. Well, he's also talking to 
a boy and he knows he's talking there's a big difference between talking to jamie your brother that's what i'm saying we can be completely honest with and then a poor little kid who's you know been mutilated quite possibly at the hands of your brother i don't think anybody knew that at the moment but i think i think he maybe had suspicions i think Tyrion had a, a few suspicions so he uh Tyrion said i asked why he killed the beatles i i just needed to know i needed to know why but he would just keep smashing them making that sound and and I was determined. I'm one of the smartest guys in the realm. I'm going to figure out why the hell this guy keeps killing the Beatles. Why he has so many problems with Ringo Paul, George, and Pete Best there, and John and uh and uh, George Harrison. I can't. It's it's, it's great because he tells basically it's the story of how he became what drove him to be a learned man. What drove him to want to be smarter and understand things more than just what he's been told. Yeah. It's, really touching it's a super super touching moment and he said he wanted nothing could stop him he wanted to discover more about what was going on he went to read about the about what was going on he, he started really, by asking him why said, are you killing these beetles and all he got was ka 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 and he started reading stuff and he realized that mainly books were written about smart people not idiots so he watched him he decided to just study him as men do and he sat there and he watched him as he and uh, right as he's talking for years day after day for years eating a sandwich and as he's talking he uh he picks up a bug himself and like holds it in his hand and he saw that he was mindless but he had reason he watched them all the time as as joe said as he ate his lunch and he uh as he was chewing his lunch he heard the sound of coo 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 I, uh, it, well he's, he's reading his books about the history of Westeros and the conquest of Westeros. And instead of hearing the wings beating of dragons, which is what's described in the book of how Aegon conquered with his dragons he all heard. the kingdoms of Westeros, which is the imagery you're supposed to be hearing while, or seeing in your head, he's only hearing coo, the coo, 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 of coo. the bugs, the rocks crushing the carcasses of beetles. Why were the beetles dying? And Jamie says, who gives a dusty fuck about beetles? And he said, no, it was bothering me. I needed to know. It, it, it made me feel sad. I felt bad for each and every single one of those beetles. It didn't just bo- like bother him that he couldn't figure out why he was killing the beetles. It started to bother him that he was killing the beetles at all, that all these bugs countless years and days and days of this kid sitting in the in the garden just constantly crushing bugs he tried to he tried he had nightmares about them about being in piles it's interesting to say too that this kid was not born this way he was dropped by his mother or his aunt or something and landed on his head and became this because of a brain injury ah interesting and uh and yeah, he was. He used to have nightmares about being surrounded by beetle husks. And yeah, yeah, Tyrion. <laughs> yeah, Tyrion. And he tried to stop him. He, Tyrion tried to stop him. And Jamie's like, "You're a tiny little boy, tiny little guy. What are you doing?" And he said, "Yeah." He pushed me aside till. Uh, it, and he goes, "He kept killing the beetles. Well, until the mule kicked him in his chest and he died. I thought that was just hilarious how he transitioned to that. Yeah, until the mule kicked him in his chest and killed him. And then he lets the but. And then Tyrion lets the bug go." And then, and he, then t- he asks his brother too. Yeah, why do you think? Why do you think he was doing it? And then right there, the bell rings. It's it's just an interesting character study of what people talk about, or you know, him and his brother are just shooting the shit right before death. You know, right before the most important moment. What motivates men to do the things that they do? Mm-hmm. Why do people do this? Which brings us back to why, you know, any of this has happened. It was really great scene, but. Deep. 
yeah, great scene between the two of them and and very important the moment that he tells that story uh, right in that moment and the connection between him and Jamie really feel for Jamie. Jamie wishes he could be there fighting for him because he's there with him all, all the way up through the end. He's 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 spending But I think but I think Jamie really him. wishes he could be the one fighting for him because they both of them know that Oberon believes in himself, but they don't know if he is any good. Neither one of them have actually seen him fight. That's a, that's right. a, that's a point that gets made between the two of them there. Neither one of them actually seen the red Viper fight and they don't know what he's capable of. So it is, it is interesting. And I think Jamie really wants to fight. Let's uh, do, 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 do a couple more questions. I think Arya sees the hound as her first and her last first on her list. And the last one she wants to kill. Very interesting. That's from Akon D. And I kind of agree with that. She wants to savor the hound's death. I think that's yeah, a big one. I'm pretty one for sure her. he was the first one on the list. He killed the butcher's kid on the way down from King's Landing. I think that's her first moment of of real hatred and vengeance. It was either him or Joffrey. One of the two were the first. Oh yeah, because Joffrey is the one that yells and screams about having the the, the puppy killed and and is torturing her friend, the butcher's son. On the way down, they were just playing with swords, and Joffrey starts bullying him and stuff. So, uh, Ren Renward, toss up. Uh, didn't Cersei tell San- uh, tell Sansa tears aren't a woman's only weapon? The best ones between her legs. <laughs> yeah, Ren, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure Sansa Cersei did say that to Sansa, and I think she learned a lot from King's Landing, and it's and that's even something that kind of Lady Olana Tyrell kind of brings up to to Marjorie too. You know, like yep. They make they drive that point home. There's a lot of power in in that. And yeah, that's what men's that you can control men's desires with that. And uh, even Roz kind of knows that when she's playing with Theon right before she leaves, or playing with yeah, playing with playing with all the men and getting as much information as she can. Uh, Mitch Jaina, you can hear uh, Tyrion's thoughts in the Viper vs. Mountain fight. Oh, uh, oh, shite, are we winning? The Viper's winning. Oh, then shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up and kill the Mazen already. Then no. (laughs) Tyrion, no. And uh, we have a, uh, and that's, that's it for now. Thank you guys for all the live comments. We really appreciate it. So the fight is about to start. And, uh, and, Tyrion's marched out to the hungry crowd awaiting battle. Tywin's drinking, having a good time, smiling in the sun. Uh, Tywin looks unusually happy right now, as happy as I've ever seen Tywin. And uh, Cersei's also, as I mentioned earlier, wetting her pants right there with having this like dirty look at Jamie as Jamie comes back and sits down. There was definitely a moment where Cersei looks at Jamie as he sits down like, where the fuck were you? You're with our no good, disgusting brother. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so Oberon comes out and he's not wearing a helmet. He's drinking. He, does, he has very little armor on. And uh, Tyrion's like, you're going to die. What are you wearing? And he goes, today is not the day I'm going to die. And he goes, listen, you got to wear armor when you fight. And he goes, oh, you learned a lot in all your battles. <laughs> yep. And the mountain marches out. And I got to say the. Uh, I was, OK, so all the talk about whether or not I liked the. He mountain, was awesome in this episode. Yeah, this scene redeemed my apprehension of the mountain yeah i have to say it too i I agree with what hodor said this is the best mountain so far he's still i still don't buy the age thing but because he was uh under in such a big uniform it didn't matter and having someone that big and imposing is a lot better than the other guy that they had which just wasn't big enough to illustrate who the mountain really was and this guy being one of the biggest men in the freaking planet right now is a big giant man just really put out what needed to be put out for the mountain. So I got to give it, give it its credit 
where it deserves yep. right there. So Oberon's not no, wearing a... Yeah, HBO, the, the producers, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, they, okay. they they wanted to cast a wrestler. They wanted to cast a Thunder Lips, like where Rocky was fighting Hulk Hogan type. Well, this dude's an actual like uh, yeah. bodybuilder, world's strongest man competition, second place, exactly. second strongest man in the world. So like, so we I understand what they were going for, and he succeeded in what they needed him to do in this scene. Be very imposing. Something like that, too. Like, he's huge. He's absolutely, he's a huge. monster. Huge. And he, he's every he, bit the monster the mountain is supposed to be. And the actor really, and as fast as the actor need, the actor played it great too in the couple of moments where he needed to do line de- deliveries. So the mountain marches out, and uh, and Oberon's paramour goes, "You're gonna fight that," and he goes, "No, I'm gonna kill that." And she goes, "That's the biggest man I've ever seen." And he said, "Size doesn't matter when a man's on his back." Yep. Which uh, Tyrion says, "Thank God." You know, Tyrion can't help but put on a, a line like, like that. Thank God. So Pizel comes out and starts being a douche as an announcer doing this Pizel thing, and which I an amazingly funny Game of Thrones moment. Tywin just stops him. <laughs> Tywin's like Pizel, stop, and just yep. yeah, he cuts him off. He cuts <laughs> him off. Hit the horns. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> Blow the trumpets. Yeah, t- stop it. Stop it. Stop him, Pizel. We let you get that Joffrey line out yeah, in the trial. Pizel comes out in this corner, the biggest man in the kingdom, the fright of everybody, and in this corner, Oberon. Yeah, fight, fighting for the biggest piece of sh- the littlest piece of shit in all the Seven Kingdoms, Tyrion. <laughs> well, if we even call him a man, you know, it, right? It was just funny how they played it, and uh, and and yeah, and it's just funny. And he goes and. And he goes and kisses his girl, and he promises her that he'll uh, never leave her alone. And he walks up, and he takes his spear out, and then you know what? Oberon goes all fucking Donatello with the 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 spear, like bow staff, crazy. Yeah, he gets all fancy. He does his little dance. He dances out for the crowd. He makes a co- a crack about fighting in the pits of of Marine or somewhere in the in Esos. Oh, you've never fought in the pits. Yeah. And so then he dances out with his spear across yeah. for the crowd, and he like plays to them, playing to the, the crowd the whole time. He's playing to the crowd, treating it almost like a matador dealing with a bull. And the yep. mo- and the mountain comes in and goes, and he goes, Mountain, do you know, did they tell you who I was? And he goes, All you are is a man that's about to die, and he doesn't yep. care who Someone he is. About to die. And he goes, I know who you are. And he starts fighting him and, and kind of completely getting around him. He goes, I know the man you are. You were the man that killed my sister. Now you're going to admit it and you're going to die. You raped and murdered her and you murdered her children. And as he's fucking with the mountain, going in circles, he keeps repeating it over and yeah, over again. You called it. It's a very, a my n- name is Inigo Montoya. Montoya. You killed my father. It's and a he, very five finger man moment. Yeah, uh, six finger man. And he just keeps, he keeps at it. He keeps doing it. And he keeps... Bitch, bitch mouth in them over and over again. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Oh, admit it. Admit it. Admit it. Say her name. Say her name. And he keeps going around in circles. The mountain gets a couple of shots in. But for the most part, the Viper's totally owning him in the fight. And he just flies at him. And he stabs him and then cuts a, cuts at his uh, legs and knocks the mountain down to the ground. And yeah, he's making little bits, little tears, little cuts. Little, uh, he's, he's getting him. He knocks his helmet off. He dances around him. You know, racks his helmet off him. He does great. The fight is choreographed beautifully. Amazing. They and both must have practiced with their weapons for a long time to get this fight to look. Oh, and it lo- looks incredible. And they and he cuts off his legs and he gets on top of him, stabs him. And as uh, someone was pointing out in the chat room, you could just see Tyrion's face at this point as he's watching the Viper kick ass. Like, oh my god, he's gonna win. Oh my god, I'm gonna get out of this. And you could see uh, Tywin kind of freaking out a little bit. Well, you can see everybody's expression at this point is, "Holy shit, he just killed the Mountain." 
Yep. Oh my lord. The, the guy's lying flat on his back, like he said. He is, he's been run through the chest with this spear. He's been hamstringed. He's had his neck cut. He, you know, he's had a couple other cuts delivered to him, only ever really delivering two, two or three blows, like a kick and a couple. Yeah, he of he, he gets him. He hits him a couple times, like touches him, and, and uh, like breaks his first spear. He has to get another spear in the middle of the fight. Someone throws it in from the audience, and over on stat stabs him through the heart and he goes oh no 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 you can't die yet and he pulls it back out and right at that moment that he pulls it back out you could see the look on Tyrion's face like wait no 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 kill him as someone's saying no 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 shh, shh, don't, don't, don't. And he goes no yeah stop no 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 you don't need a confession just kill him, just kill him. that's how it's done it means he's guilty just yeah, kill him just kill him just kill him, just kill him. <laughs> and he goes no 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 you're gonna know and he looks at him don't die yet tell me tell me what was his name what was her name tell say her name say her name and and he's turning around and facing the crowd as he turns to Tywin, and he goes, "I want to know who ordered the who ordered the code red. Who ordered it? Who ordered the code red?" And he like points at Tywin, and right as he's like addressing all of his negative attention at Tywin, giving him death stares from behind, the mountain takes him out at the legs, and uh, and and the viper falls back, and the mountain grabs him by with his hands. First. No, no, no. He punches him first. He punches him in the mouth, and you see a mouthful of teeth mouthful fly teeth. Yep. across the, the floor. It's one punch knocked out every single one of this guy's teeth. And then he just grabs him like, and uses his eye sockets as bowling holes, like he's grabbing a bowling ball, and he just grabs his head, and he starts he to squeeze on top him. Of him. And he goes, yeah, you want me to say her fucking name? Her name was... Uh, what was Lilia? Was that their name? Something like that? Like whatever. Uh, Liana. Th- Liana. That was her name. Her name was Liana. And you know what? No, I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, Liana was Stark's sister. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, Rhaegar's wife. Rhaegar's wife. I, I. You know what? I. That was her name, and I fucking killed her. Then I raped her, and I killed her kids too. And then I killed her by crushing her fucking head just like this. And he crushes Overon's head in his fucking hand. It pops. And it pops. And then he collapses next to him. Yep, and he collapses next to him, and Tywin can't fucking wait. He gets up. This means that Tyrion is guilty, and he will die. End of episode. Holy dog shit. Toman, you were sentenced to death. Now, oh my god, like, what the fuck, George R.R. R. Martin, you you introduce a character like Overon, you make us love him, you make us connect with him, and you do it to us again, you fucking kill him, he had so much more to do, he needed to kill all the, he needed to kill Ty, what were you doing to us, buddy, no, I love it, great fucking story, what you don't, ex- I mean, you kind of knew it was happening, once Overon was talking shit, you were like, just kill everybody, there yeah, wasn't one Every part- bad guy in the history of bad guys that has ever given the speech to Superman about why he's doing the evil things he's doing while Superman is dying from kryptonite or whatever. It's it's known in theater that you just don't do that. And for a good guy to do that is just Maybe that's possible. the problem. Maybe that's the problem. He's a, he was a, since he was a good guy, he didn't read the bad guy manual of things not to do. And he's and he and he fell for one of the bad guy ploys. He just well, George R. R. Martin treats all his good guys the same way. Dumbasses? No. Poisons Ah, oh, just fantastic. Great, amazing scene, amazing way it was played. N- not necessarily, I mean, the first time I heard that or was in that scene, you really think that Oberon is killing, it's just, it went the myriad of emotions. But I do have to say, watch. I was, I was a little disappointed. I wanted the mountain to be more messed up. I wanted him 
you know, a lot more bloodied and a lot more near death than he appeared. I mean, I, he had been run through with a spear, he had been hamstring, he, all these things, and he was definitely, definitely mortally wounded, but he didn't really appear so... Like, when... You, yeah, he didn't really seem to suffer, and, like, in the book, it's described as a... Like, Oberon really does treat him like a little bitch in this fight. He dances around him, he really is in full command of this fight the whole time. I just wanted it to be more bloody. I wanted the mountain to appear more bloody. I wanted a little bit more gore out of it than I got. Aside from that, I thought the scene was fantastic, and I was cheering in my boots until yeah. Oberon's head popped. Yeah, that you, it wasn't sit, watching some guy's head pop wasn't gory enough for you. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, and I think it's a little different. But <laughs> oh god, ama- amazing! I stuff, wanted though. the mountain to suffer. No, yes, I raped her. Yes, I. Did, this is what I did to her children's but that, heads. That, that's uh, We have to constantly remind... It's like George R. R. Martin needs to constantly remind you what you're watching, though. You know, that, that, that you're not living in a world where you get what you want. You know, you get... He gives you the a good couple... guy does not always... Well, the man in white does not always walk away the victor. Exactly. And now... <laughs> not in George Martin's universe. Nope. And now this puts Tyrion in a really dangerous position heading into our last two episodes as in a dangerous position he's sentenced to death that, trial over but that's, Bye-bye, what, that's what i'm saying he's in a dangerous position unless tywin steps in and maybe jamie can resurrect that deal that he had and get him sent to the wall or something i mean he's just in a really no win fucking situation right here it's 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 shitty and especially leading into our can you believe we're leading into our second to last episode of the season do you think uh, it's heartbreak I, it's so awful the only thing I can say is that I, I have Ray Donovan to look forward to to get me through the next 10 weeks after this. Now, the question is, leading into the second to last episode, the second to last episode of the Game of Thrones has always been the one. Is, do you think that's going to be the one? This sh- like, is, is this going to be when? Is I don't I don't even want to speculate. I can't. No, do- no, no. I, I, this, if they do it, if they follow kind of how the book no, no. went, I'm not going to spoil anything. We can have two really great final episodes that are just packed with great action. Yeah. Um, because there's two very specific things that kind of take place. It seems, it seems like from at least the title of the episode that next week is going to be, uh, the wildlings, the, uh, the, the, uh, the watchers of the wall, I believe, or it's something to do with the wall. So it's going to probably be the wildlings attacking the walls. What I'm assuming well, that well, it's is it is it it's probably going to be the Fens and Egret coming from Molestown. Yeah, and the and I we've got to see Mansa's army. I think this is the episode we need to see well, the hundred thousand. Is 000. this the episode? See, yes, it could yes. be the following episode could be Mansa's army. No, no, it's going to be it's next two week. Two different in the books. It's separated a little the timing is off so it does it all come down at once in this in next episode you know that's the big question and and it's very possible could be i mean there's so much off book stuff that there's no way to tell exactly how this is going to happen and what do you leave for the last episode what do you set up what is there oh well i'm not speculating any further yeah stop <laughs> just stop. What do you leave? What do you do? Just stop. You bastards. Yeah, just stop. Okay, so everybody, thank you very much for tuning in this week. It was really great to be back in action. We can't we can't wait for these final two episodes and to see where they where they go with things and see how it all plant pays out. Thank you 
Thank you very much for joining in on the live chat and all our live viewers. We have almost 40 people watching live right now. So thank you so much to each and every one of you for checking out our videos each week. And uh, and we have a lot of fun uh, talking about Game of Thrones and talking about it with you guys makes it all the more fun. So everybody, talk to you guys next week for the next episode, the second to last episode of the season. I can't believe it. Please comment away. Subscribe if you haven't done that already. But please definitely comment away on what you thought of this episode and what you thought and of everybody petition HBO during the offseason to make next season which starts shooting sometime in July, I believe, or maybe August, that it should be 12 or 13 episodes. They're going to need to. It's 10. I know we, I know we, one quick thing before we go. I know we, we still have two books yet to come and we're on season four right now. Is it season four? Four, yeah. And according to the creators of the show, they want to end things after seven seasons. So you need to have more than 10 episodes a season. They're going to need to add some episodes. Right. You got to hope. So. You got to hope. Especially because there's a sixth book uh, about to come out, which might end up being seven books. Uh, that he's, he said he has so much, over 1,500 pages of written material that, you know, he might break it down to two 700-page books. Oh, oh, my God. Or, and, and there's more that he's trying to get out and get on paper and get finished that, you know, there might even be a seventh book that comes out. So... I really see they're going to need more than seven seasons or at least 12, 13, 15 episodes, something. <laughs> Akon D says, we all, uh, we all need to start loving Tywin because if we all start loving Tywin, he might die. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is a good hope. So we're going to be sending. Yeah. Well, that, I'm sure there weren't anybody out there loving Joffrey and he's gone. So. I, I'm sure most people loved watching Joffrey be evil. So, so let's all let's all send uh, as we go away this week. Let's all send our hearts out to uh, Tywin Lannister. So everybody, we will talk to you next week. Or if any of you guys are into 24, which has Catelyn Stark as our main villain, we will be talking about 24 tomorrow evening around the same time. So if any of you guys are interested yeah, in I'm that. Yeah, I'm off tomorrow. So Cool. So talk to you guys next time. Later.